When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our pre-draft roundtable on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is finally here. Andrew Barry held his pre-draft press conference on Friday. If you didn't hear our reaction pod, go back and look for that in your feed. Uh, but also, it's time to start attaching some names to the Cleveland Browns. So Mary Kay Cabot, Douglas, Maurice, Ashley, Bastock, Scott Patsko, and I went through and talked about what would make for a good draft, what would make for a bad draft, some draft crushes we have, some things that we've seen that don't make sense, and then we try to attach names as to who we would pick at number 44 and number 78. Now, you've got to become a Football Insider subscriber this week because it is draft week. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Uh, text subscribers, of course, get breaking news as it happens in analysis. You get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox every day, and you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash brown so again cleveland.com slash brown is the blue banner at the top of the page get info get signed up okay hey let's talk some nfl draft on the orange brown talk podcast here we go on our draft edition of the orange and brown talk podcast i was thinking last year we did a full first round mock draft don't know how we managed to do that but the Browns of course don't have a first round pick so uh, we've got to approach this a little bit differently but uh, draft week is upon us Browns go on the clock at some point most likely on Friday so I came up with some topics and then here at the end we're all going to sort of make a case for who we think maybe the Browns should pick at 44 uh, and even number 78 so let's just start here And, and this is sort of an overarching question the best outcome for the Browns in this draft is what Mary Kay? You know, I really do think that the best outcome for them would be probably to stay where they're at, at number 44, maybe just move up a little bit. You don't want to give up too many picks right now because of, you know, the recent trade with Deshaun Watson. So I don't think you want to climb too high, but I think probably the best outcome would be to land the best remaining pass rusher in the draft at number 44 and then come back and get a good receiver at number 78. Now you can flip-flop those two things, but I do think that even though Andrew Berry does not draft for need and he'll take that best available player, I still think that uh, they really do need to add a good starting caliber receiver in this draft, if they can find one that late. And then, um, and they do need to find someone to replace Jadavian Clowney in the event that they don't end up with him. So I think it's deep enough in this draft to land a really good pass rusher and a really good starting caliber receiver. I was thinking yesterday, I mean, what if right now, if, if you only had, you know, what you have now, and then a couple of young receivers, what if Amari Cooper goes down with an injury? So I think you need to keep adding to that room. Uh, So that would be my best case scenario, best available pass rusher. I might do that first. And then best receiver. Yeah, I'm I'm actually interested to see where everybody goes when we do get to like attaching names to to these picks. If they go receiver, edge rush, or some other kind of out of of left field 
name or, or position. Doug, what do you think? Best case scenario is Garrett Wilson falls to 44. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely would like to see them go receiver. Um, I think the receiver class is deep and interesting. When you start talking about going defensive end first and then receiver in the third round, the names that probably will be available at 44 for defensive ends are not as interesting to me as the names I think will be there for receiver at 44. And I'm still operating in a world where I'm assuming they're going to resign either Clowney or a veteran like him. But I don't know what's going to happen with their number two receiver. So if they don't leave this draft with a receiver that they think they can start week one, I am curious where they're going to go. So that to me means I, I'd like there's a guy. I mean, there's a guy that I've come around on that a lot of other people have come around on who is the guy that I really want to be there in the second round for the Browns. But I think there's going to be multiple options at receiver there. And I think you go back and look at the history of some of the best receivers in the league. There's some really good receivers that have been drafted in the second or third round. They can get an impact guy there. So I I hope that happens. And I'm kind of banking on that. Yeah. I was going to say just having more depth in the receiver room and on the defensive line are the top priorities for me. Um, I think my priorities might be a little bit in a different order, but that's largely based on what I think is available. And Doug, I'm not going to say the name of the person I think you've come around on because I think I know who it is. And I just don't think he's going to be there at 44, Mm -hmm. even though I would really, really love him to be. And we can say the name if you want and see if it's the same name. I say we save it because I'm wondering if I'm thinking of the same guy. This is is a big time. We'll get there. So I don't want to spoil it. No spoilers (laughs) yet. But um, I think for me, it's just going to be all about who is actually available when these picks come around in terms of what order they decide to address the positions. But I mean, I don't think it's controversial at this point. We've said it multiple times in recent weeks, and especially when we did our 20 best Browns players draft, how those two areas were really just lacking. Scott, are you joining the chorus or do you have a different direction? Here? Yeah, I think I'm on the defensive line wide receiver <laughs> train uh, and, and my picks will reflect that. Um, and I say that with the conviction of a man who spent a solid 45 minutes on draft prep. Folks, if you're listening to this, wanting me to give you advice on where the Browns should go, just know that everybody else on this podcast has spent way more time analyzing the draft than me. I rebelled against mock drafts this year and now Dan's making me making me talk about it but uh, I think the best case like the best outcome for the Browns would be like a JOK scenario kind of like what Doug talked about somebody who who falls to the top of the second round they you know they trade up a little bit and get them uh you know but other than that I think it's it's adding depth at at the defensive line and at wide receiver I don't necessarily think they need to get a guy who becomes the quote-unquote number two guy I don't know why Donovan people Jones can't be the number two guy um I think his role will be a little bit different now that Amari Cooper is the number one guy than, say, Jarvis Landry. Um, so that could work out. Um, but they do need to – I do think they need to, to look at that position in one of these first two picks. So I, I'm glad you brought that up, Scott, because I wanted to follow that up. Um, that Kind of that just that question, like who is – whether you want to call him the number two, whether you want to call him the, the, the X or the Z, whatever, whichever one Amari Cooper fits in, the other guy – um, 
who is that right now? Is it, I mean, is it Donovan Peoples Jones and would that be good enough? Cause even if you draft a guy, it might still be DPJ. It's good enough in 2020. Or, I mean, he was I still mean, the most efficient receiver last year. And it's like, in theory, there's still the possibility that Jarvis Landry comes back. I know we're talking about who's on the roster now, but obviously that would kind of automatically fill that hole as well. Just another I, possibility. I, I don't know if Jarvis is, is like that guy though. I, I mean, he might be come in and be your second best receiver, but I don't think he's like your, the way we're talking about number two, I think maybe I'm wrong, but the way we're talking about number two, isn't Jarvis, right? Or am I, Doug, you have a look on your face. Like <laughs> I always have a look on my face. Uh, maybe I would, prefer Jarvis over DPJ the thing that I get nervous about is I think good teams get in trouble sometimes when you elevate guys above their where they fit best and I think for this team I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is a very good number three receiver and is not a good enough number two receiver I don't I don't know how you can do everything they've done to bring in Deshaun Watson and then be like Amari Cooper and 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 then uh, 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 Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz, we're good. I did, you need somebody else. I think you need more upside there. That's not a shot at anybody. But I would be apprehensive about going into the season with Peoples-Jones and Schwartz as the second and third guy in my receiver room. Yeah, I think those guys are good complementary pieces. And I think that both of them will play so much better with Deshaun Watson. I can't think of anybody who really lived up to their potential last year uh, being thrown to by Baker Mayfield when he was struggling last season. So I think everybody uh, is, is in for a big bump this year with Deshaun Watson as their quarterback, and that's going to help everybody. Uh, but I still think that you need to get one other sort of blue chippy kind of guy in here. Uh, and this is where they're going to make their draft money because you're either going to have to land him at number 44, or then you might have to wait until you know, 60s, 70s, depending if you can trade up later and, and still grab one. Um, and I would bring back Jarvis Landry because I do think that that he would be another really, really good piece, a sure target. And once again, I think he would look a lot better with Deshaun Watson than he did last year with Baker Mayfield. Hey, two real, real quick things. Number one, I think David Njoku is going to be your number two receiver. Like when you get to, down to targets and, and catches, that's probably going to be him. But number two, as far as bringing Landry back, like I, I was really, I was trying to think, have the Browns ever cut somebody with money and years left on their contract and then brought them back after free agency had begun? Like, is that a thing that has happened? We all expected, uh, we didn't expect, but Sheldon Richardson was a hot topic in that category last year, but it didn't happen. And I was, I've been trying to think, has that ever happened in recent memory with the Browns? I don't know if it has. I mean, the way I kind of view the Jarvis situation is, I mean, I like Jarvis. Obviously, he's incredibly talented. You might be able to fill a lot of the things that Jarvis does without actually bringing Jarvis back. And it might not be quite at the Jarvis level, but if this offense is going to look different, like I, I think you can have guys who fill a lot of those needs. You might draft somebody who can do a lot of that stuff who might be faster, who might give you a little more athletically than Jarvis. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of hate to write off Jarvis and I'm certainly not opposed to bringing him back, but I do think there's a world where like, if you draft, 
you know, I'll, I'll throw in, if you draft like a Khalil Shakir or, um, you know, maybe somehow you get a Sky Moore or someone like that. And then Demetric Felton takes a step forward. And then you've got, you know, you brought in Jakeem Grant. I, I feel like you have guys that can do Jarvis Landry type things. And, and you can sort of build this, like go in a lab and build this poor man's Jarvis Landry out of some of these pieces and parts. And, and I wonder if maybe that's kind of the delay on the Browns end. Like, yeah, let, let's kind of see what we get in the draft here and, and then move forward. I think so. I think that uh, that's exactly it. I think they want to see what they land in the draft and then they will revisit it after that. And if there's still a need and there's still mutual interest, uh, then it could still happen, but it's not front burner. What's the biggest drop-off though from Amari Cooper to the next best receiver or from Miles Garrett to, and this is assuming Clowney is not on the roster for Miles Garrett to the next defensive end. I th- I'm very curious as to why the Browns are suddenly signing all these kind of random veteran DNs, honestly, if that's like a, a tip of the hand to what might be coming or who might not be coming back. Um, I, I don't know. But I'm just what's what's the bigger drop off? I think it's probably Garrett to the next to the number two end, right? I, I would say need, so. They're trying to add depth. I mean, last year they were signing a ton of guys on the yeah. defensive interior. You know, um, I think they just want. I mean, they got camps coming up here pretty soon. They need bodies. You know, uh, a week ago I think they had three guys at uh, at edge. Uh, so I think that might have something to do with the, the randos that they're <laughs> that they're bringing in. <laughs> Well, I think what happened is they listened to the Orange and Brown Talk pod last week, and um, and they heard Scott mention that the Browns only had six defensive linemen at that time. And since that pod hit the airwaves, they've signed like six more defensive linemen. So, Scott, you can take a bow for this, I think. With great power comes great responsibility. What do you want, <laughs> what do you want me to have them sign next? I'll, I'll say it, just whatever. <laughs> I just love the idea of like an intern every morning walking into Andrew Barry's office and Andrew Barry saying, so what's everybody writing and saying out there? And the answer would be like, Patsco said we only have six defensive linemen. And Andrew Barry would be like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, my. He's right. <laughs> he's probably got like a contract already written up for Jarvis. And then that intern's going to walk into his office next week and be like, you know, Scott said, we've never done this before. Andrew will be like, dang nabbit. I feel like I should be getting some sort of uh, consultants fee here. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you're giving your advice away for free. If this is the case. I know. I need to charge for this podcast. By the way, Scott, be careful calling these guys randos or you're going to end up on TikTok. That's true. guys we've never heard of can i say that i don't know (laughs) 1.2 million followers yeah (laughs) it's gonna come for you scott all right right, next next draft question this is the polar opposite of the one we just answered the worst outcome doug you go first on this one the worst outcome in the draft probably i don't know i I trust andrew Brady to not have the worst outcome yeah um i think I do. I think I've come around on with the way they value defensive tackles and that you can kind of figure guys out there and the way things have evolved with the roster. I don't really want them taking a defensive tackle at 44. I just think there's more bang for the buck at edge or receiver, even though I know we've spent some time talking about defensive tackles there back in a world when they still had a first round pick. I think a lot of us had defensive tackles in round two. Cause it's like, Oh, you get a receiver or an edge guy early and then you come back with defensive tackle. 
But I think positionally bang for the buck in a world where you don't have a first round pick, I just think you need more positional value for that. So if they go there and then it's like, okay, well then what are you doing at receiver and edge? If you don't do either of them at 44, I would raise my eyebrow. Well, Doug's going to hate my latest mock draft and basically (laughs) all of the mock drafts that are coming out right now, I think. Um, I don't know that there's anything that would make me super mad. I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know. They need help at these positions. If they can find it, great. I don't know that I'm going to be super up in arms over anything the way I would have been when before all these trades happened and when they still had 13, there were certain things I was set on more, I think. But right now I'm just kind of like, whatever Andrew Barry thinks is the best available. If he wants to be aggressive in trades, great. If he wants to wait and see who falls, great. Yeah, so Ashley, I'm looking at your mock now. Um, It's actually not fully loading for me. Um, Looks like you have Logan Hall. And that's been a kind of name who's been popping up more and more. I know Dane Brugler had him in his latest seven round mock draft. CBS, I believe, too. So that's a name that we're seeing more and more, kind of a guy who was deemed maybe a little bit undersized. He's added like 20 pounds since college. So he's an interesting prospect and can rush the passer. So maybe an interesting fit in this defense. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if I see, like it's hard for me to, to envision the Browns screwing up this draft where I'm sitting there on yeah, that's Saturday I mean. night saying like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. Like ever since, ever since the first round pick went away, I'm kind of like, I don't know, like nothing's really, I'm not emotionally attached that much to anything really. You know, I do think, and we've touched upon this already. I do think that there would be sort of a sense of, oh, if they don't end up with another really good receiver out of this draft, I think they really need to land one somehow. And someone that has an opportunity to challenge for that starting job opposite Amari Cooper. I think if you don't end up with that in a draft that is so deep at the position, having invested so much in Deshaun Watson, uh, in my mind, there would be a little bit of a sort of like, oh, they're missing something here. So that's just how I feel. I I agree. I think it's hard to mess this up. And I think once you get rid of that first round pick, it's easier to wrap your head around the fact that the draft is for the, for depth and, I mean, like the worst case scenario would be them trading up into the top half of the first round and drafting a center, like (laughs) trying to get JC Treader's replacement, because that dude, if you're picking him there, you're already paying him like one of the top 10 centers in the league, uh, the way the salaries are structured. So that would be worst outcome. But I I can't see Andrew Barry doing that. Um, But beyond that, I think, you know, they could they could use depth anywhere. Um, It's, you know. That's what this is all about. They address needs and free agency. And now it's just, if, if you, if you draft a guy and he tends up being a starter, great. If he ends up being a guy who's a heavy part of the rotation as a rookie, great. Uh, but I don't think Andrew Barry is really approaching it that way. He's thinking long-term. Um, and, and that's still, I think that means you're probably targeting some of the positions that we've talked about already uh, because they don't have as much there right now. And they, you know, those are the, those are the positions that seem to kind of rise to the top. I forgot the other thing that would make me mad is if they come out of this draft full steam ahead with Chase McLaughlin as their kicker, that would make <laughs> there me we mad. Go. I, was thinking I about want a kicker. That. I want a kicker. I got yeah, a kicker no. story still coming. I want a kicker. I, listen, I think, I think that's a good one. I think that um, 
that that's kind of what everybody wants and that they want this team to figure out the kicker position. And um, I, I did, maybe that's it. I mean, maybe that's the answer, like, you know, a receiver and a kicker and everything else. Ah, okay, cool. Good job. Pass. We, we trust they pass you. on their picks the receiver at 44, <laughs> a kicker in the seventh round. And then everything else they say, we don't even need anybody. We're ready to roll. <laughs> um, okay. So, let, let's do a hypothetical here. Let's talk about the uh, what used to be the Browns pick, the one we spent so much time on until they traded for Deshaun Watson. And the way I worded this question was uh, like this. Yes, a potential top five quarterback is worth it, but I'm still a little disappointed the Browns don't get to take blank at number 13. Doug, do we just need to give you the floor? and let you talk about Garrett Wilson or I, I mean, had you resigned yourself maybe to Garrett Wilson, not even being there at number 13. So I would direct people to our Buckeye talk podcast where Steven means Nathan Baird and I on Wednesday went through all the Ohio state guys and we put them on the clock and then we drafted them like we're GMs. Where are you going to draft them? I took Garrett Wilson at four to the jets. So, wow. <laughs> and Steven took him at eight and Nathan took him at 10. So I have reached the point where, The four guys that I would have wanted for the Browns at 13 were Garrett Wilson and Drake London at receiver. And then at the combine, I wrote about Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson at edge. And I think they're all going to be gone. I think those four Trayvon Walker clearly is obviously they're all going to be go. I think in the first 12 picks. So I actually feel pretty good about the fact that the Browns don't have a pick at 13 right now, because otherwise I would be sitting here saying like, I don't know, man, I think they're going to wind up with, the fifth best edge guy or the third best receiver. And I don't know that they take Jamison Williams and he's off. I actually think the way it's going to fall, you know, if Garrett's there at 13, I'm going to have a little moment to myself (laughs) on draft night, but I will be surprised if he is. And other than that, I think it's going to fall in a way that they're not going to be regretting much because I think the guys that fit them best are going to be gone. Well, I do want a quick little promo here. If Garrett Wilson is there at 13 and Doug has his moment, I believe it will be live on the air Mm, uh, on cleveland.com. So be ready for that. Make sure you you tune in for that. Mary Kay, is it kind of deep down inside, even though Deshaun Watson is the quarterback, is it still a little bit of like, I really wanted to see what Malik Willis would have looked like here? Yes, absolutely. 100%. (laughs) Uh, So much so that, uh, you know, I would have advocated them trading up from number 13 to get him uh, because I do think that he won't be around at number 13. In fact, I watched uh, an NFL network mock draft this morning and they had him going number two. So, um, so yeah, I don't think he's going to be there. You never know though. I mean, he's a, a polarizing figure in this draft. Some people think he has boom or bust potential but I was always willing to take that risk. I'm fine with bust potential as long as you have a chance to nail it as well. And I would even give up picks to take that chance. So again, based on traits, based on, you know, things that I saw, you know, with my own two eyes and on film and talking to people, I, um, I'm still very, very intrigued by him. And I will be very curious to see where he goes and how he does. Who else? Ashley, who did you like at 13? 
I feel like I kind of waffled back and forth between Garrett Wilson and Drake London a little bit. And honestly, Mary Kay convinced me like throughout the earlier parts of this draft process that I don't know that they really needed Drake London for what he's so good at with how they use their tight ends and how we know now, especially how Deshaun Watson uses his tight ends. Um, Garrett Wilson, I'm still kind of in the camp. I don't think he's going to be around here. Jermaine Johnson, I think, was the interesting guy that I have seen him fall into the teens and maybe be there. And if you got him as an edge rusher, I mean, I think that would be great in terms of somebody who can impact the pass rush, who can is a pretty good run defender as well. He has some length. Uh, so that would have been another, I think, interesting guy who maybe I think we could see fall on draft night to the round that 13 area. Well, I'm, I'm apparently driving the Browns offseason decision making. So whatever name I say here apparently means they're going to trade up and get him. Uh, do you want me to say Garrett Wilson? Do you want me to say that? Uh, we'll go with that and make Doug happy, right? Yeah, say it. Say it. I, I mean, I, I really don't care who they were going to take at 13. I mean, uh, I yeah, that's. I, I, I'm not emotionally attached to anybody in this draft. And I think that whoever they do take is going to go into a great situation. So yeah, if Garrett Wilson showed up and he was with the Browns, I think that would be really good for him. Whoever they took at 13. I mean, so many guys, that's why people do redrafts, right? Two, three years later, and you got these players moving all over the place. And so much of it has to do with where you land. And I think whoever they ultimately took at 13 probably would have turned out all right. Um, I think Andrew Barry's done a good job in the draft so far and, uh, give him the 13th pick. And I think he would, he would make it count. Doug, I want to ask you about somebody mm-hmm. um, that you obviously know well, and I, I see this guy mocked here on occasion. It actually kind of scares me. Um, and, I, and I have this PFF simulator up that actually made this pick Chris Olave to the chargers. Are, is he being a little underrated? Is, is there, I guess, is there a world where he's like, the third or fourth best receiver in this class, or maybe even better with his speed and, and route running. I think there's a world where he's the best receiver in this class, like long-term, right? I, I don't think that's impossible. He's fluid. He plays a deep ball really well in the air. He's a really good route runner. He measured bigger at the combine than I expected. He's a humble, hardworking, get after it kind of guy. I think he compares a little bit to a guy like Terry McLaurin out of Ohio state. who was a third round pick and now is a number one receiver in the NFL. I, I like him. I mean, he's kind of in that Eagles Saints chargers range in the teens. I think um, we just had on the Thursday Buckeye talk, we had on a guy from PFF who likes Chris Olave better than Garrett Wilson in this draft. So yes, yes, it's possible. I think he's a more Jamison Williams fat is faster. I think, Chris is a little more complete as a receiver. Garrett's more dynamic yards after the catch. Um, But Chris is like a deep ball guy. Who's not only a deep ball guy. So yes. And in a world, if the Browns at 13, if Wilson and London were gone, I was never huge on Olave to the Browns at 13, but it would not have been crazy. Like, I think he's going to be a really good NFL player and there's definite upside there. Yeah, I mean, we just had that discussion about, like, who would look really good as the number two receiver. Chris Olave might have been that guy at 13 if, you know, some of the top guys came off the board. And, mm-hmm. you know, we might get to this a little later. I think it, it might be hard for the Browns to get one of these guys at number 44 with, with sort of how this first round looks and all the people that – all the teams that have multiple picks and that need receivers – 
Um, I, I do wonder if there's going to be like a run there and, and maybe that's where, uh, you know, maybe that's where a move gets made for the Browns. Okay. I don't know if everybody has an answer to this one, but for those of you who have followed mock drafts, I'll, I'll just say mine. And if anybody else wants to add somebody, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. The player I keep seeing getting mocked to the Browns that I don't get is blank. I don't understand the Travis Jones to the Browns thing the defensive tackle out of Connecticut. And Doug, this maybe goes a little bit with what you um, with what you were saying. I'm okay with the defensive tackle, but I don't think a guy like Travis Jones, who everything I read about him says he's kind of a big space-eating nose tackle. And I do think he he's more than that. That's probably unfair for me to say that. But everything I read about him is like, oh, this guy's a nose tackle. And if they took a defensive tackle at number 44 – it's got to be somebody who's athletic, who can move to the outside, who can create a ton of pressure up the middle. I don't, I guess if we went back to the worst outcome question, that might be it. Like you're going to take a run stopper. Like who, I, I don't really care about that. Give, give me somebody that can create pressure. That's what this team needs. That was mine too. Like I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it just is like when you go through some of these defensive tackles who might be available and kind of the number of them, when they're described as traditional run stoppers, it's like this team, I don't think needs that. And I don't think they really want that. So it just kind of doesn't make sense to me. And I wonder if there's some disconnect sometimes with these, with these mock drafts in terms of, okay, but what, what would the Browns actually be thinking here in terms of this position? Because that's just not how they use it. Yeah. I mean, I I think part of it is we sit here and watch this team every single week and we watch them in practice. We watch them in camp. And I, I feel like we have a, pretty good grasp of what they want i just don't again he's a good player i i don't know i don't i don't see the browns like loving that type of player in the middle of their line though maybe i'm wrong no i think that's right i think that's right i i sort of feel the same way about a defensive tackle just because we seem to feel like we know how they feel about the position and it's not a premium position and number 44 seems like a premium spot for them this year. Um, so I sort of feel the same way about defensive tackles in general, but if you do find one uh, that is unique and like Logan Hall, like the one that um, Ashley is putting in her mock draft at number 44, that, you know, that has pass rush skills that can play inside and out, that has that kind of versatility and that can, and is the best available player there, then I can see them doing it. But for the most part, I sort of kind of I don't know. I just don't love the position as their top pick this year. Yeah, Scott, I think this goes to, to sort of what, what you said about the draft expertise thing. We might not all be sitting in dark rooms watching film of these guys, but we know the team that's making these picks, right? So sometimes you see something, you're like, I just, everything I read about this, it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I'm trying to put together mock draft roundups of some national mocks and it's, when they got rid of the first round pick, it became a lot more difficult. But uh, last week, I found a handful that, that did go uh, into the second round and beyond. And one that I included uh, in that post uh, had them taking a middle linebacker at 44. Uh, and I, I, like, I, I don't know, like, that's not something I've seen a lot. Obviously, it's not something that I think most people think they'll do, but it just really struck me. I can't like talk about a worst case scenario. If they took a middle linebacker at 44, it just seems like that, that guy better be outstanding. I, 
they brought back Anthony Walker. You got Jacob Phillips that you're trying to develop there. Um, and outside of the fact that JOK seems to be the guy that you're going to want on the field the most out of any of your linebackers, drafting somebody at 44 just really caught me off guard. And I, I, I would be kind of shocked if that happened. Scott, do you know where you have seen the Browns take a middle linebacker with their first pick in a draft, though? You've probably repressed it from your memory. Uh-oh. Draft day. Well, yeah, ah. that's true. That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to do it two podcasts in a row. I got my draft day reference in. That's okay. another reason why that, that movie was bonkers. <laughs> this needs to be like an ongoing thing. Like every time Ashley's on the pod, she needs to figure out some way to work draft day in. And it's got to become more obscure. Other than just saying the title of the movie, it's got to be like some obscure draft day reference. Monte Mack was traded to to the Jets for a for a sixth round pick three years later. You can trade the middle linebacker who gets four sacks in one game against a Wisconsin quarterback. Come on. You know what the worst case scenario for the Browns would be on draft day? If their GM just, you know, wakes up at like 10 o'clock, takes like four hours to get into the office, stops at a water park to talk to the owner. Stops at that Sunoco in the flats. Has his father's ashes spread on the practice field. <laughs> it's draft day. I'm just going to take a, I'm going to sleep in a little and just take a slow trip into the office. No big deal. Uh, Miles Amari. Seattle, yeah, I'm sleeping on the couch. Amari, <laughs> there's so much more to the Browns and, than whatever that was. <laughs> Although Mary Kay was almost in draft day. Almost. this close. I certainly was. My glorious day with Kevin Costner. One of the best days of my life. <laughs> Ended up on the cutting room floor. Yep. Devastating. Uh, all right, let's take a break here. When we get back, I want to know if you guys have any draft crushes and let's get into these picks and make some cases for who we think the Browns actually should or might take. All right, back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast draft edition. Uh, all right, we, we were kind of teasing it. So, Doug, Ashley, you guys each had names. Uh, maybe these aren't your draft crushes, but I'm going to throw out my draft crush because it might be the name you guys were thinking of. I'm sort of falling for the idea of George Pickens yeah, for the Browns. That's, that's mine, and I just don't think he's going to be there. I actually did when I was writing my mock draft yesterday. I had him at 44, and then the more I thought about it and the more I was reading and the more other mock drafts I was looking at, I'm like, I just convinced myself there's no way he's going to be there. And maybe there is a universe that he is. And if he is, they should take him there. But I just think he's going to go somewhere near more near the top of the second round in the maybe mid thirties range. Doug, was that the guy you were talking about earlier that you're coming around on? Or was it another, was it somebody else? No, it's him. He's, he's the guy that I, he was the guy in my latest mock draft. He'll be the guy that I have at 44 in my final mock draft. Like I had him three mocks drafts ago. And then I was like, all right, I, I, I can't just only do him. And then I went away from him. Then I went back to him. He's young, which everybody has noted the Browns like. He's big. He's fast. He was a five-star recruit. He had a huge freshman year. He SEC. had some bad, he had yeah. some bad injury luck. He's SEC. His quarterback was Stetson Bennett. Like he has oh. not played with elite quarterbacks. I think he compares favorably to a guy like Drake London in a lot of ways. He's big, but he can be a deep threat. Now, the thing is, I just, you know, I, I know what you're saying, Ashley. I don't think it's impossible, though. Like Matt yeah. Miller from ESPN just came out with his final big board. He has George Pickens at 40. 
And I like it's not. I also do think, as people have kind of mentioned, the Browns are at forty-four. I think they they might end up picking George Pickens at thirty-six because they go get him because they go get him the same way they went and got JOK, and they do whatever they have to do. They use next year's third-round pick to move up seven spots because they want this guy. He's starting to get to them. They don't know if he'll get all the way there because there is going to be this mix. Now he could go in the first round too. He's. I think there's a clear top five receivers. Then there's this group of like four other guys, maybe George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, some guys like that. So once you get to that tier, it just, I think it depends how fast the top five go. And if the first five receivers are all gone by pick 19, then that's bad news for George Pickens getting to the Browns. If there's a bunch of ta- offensive tackles and people jump for quarterbacks and stuff like that, then if the receivers start to slide a little bit, then I think that's good news for the Browns. But I do think the idea that he's the perfect fit in a lot of ways is true, but they might have to go get him. And I think it probably would be worth it to go get him. Yeah. I feel like he profiled as an out that outside receiver that we were talking about earlier and like he's physical. I mean, there was, I was just watching this Twitter thread of clips of him just knocking guys over when they tried to press him at the line, he blocks, he's big He's flawed. I mean, I think that the acknowledgement here is like every anybody they pick at 44 is going to be a second round pick. It's an, they're not going to be perfect prospects. You know, this guy's not going to be the perfect prospect right away. He can develop into something special, but like I don't know. There's there, there's just something there that that I, I really like about him that just seems to really fit. If he fell to 44 or close to 44, like you were saying, Doug. It just seems to fit a lot of things that this team looks for when they make these picks, especially high picks. Yeah, he's, he's a very intriguing prospect. He, he checks off all the boxes. Uh, he's got the size. He's got the speed. Uh, he's got the production. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's got the track record. I mean, there's a lot to like about him, so much so that it does make me wonder if he will be there. I do think he's somebody that if they want him, they might have to climb up a little bit to get him, which I don't think they would be opposed to doing. I don't see them um, making a major trade back into the first round. I don't see that happening, but I could see them going up into the thirties to grab a receiver like this that they like, because they will continue to be very aggressive and they do need a starter. So he, he does, he does fit the bill for all of the things that they would be looking for. And listen, this history you can find guys here. I, I understand what you're saying, Dan, mm-hmm. that he's not a perfect prospect and you can do this with any position. I understand that, but I'm going to do it with this position. Um, like Chase Claypool was pick 49. Michael Pittman was pick 34. He was a second round guy. Debo Samuel was a second round guy. Pick 36. AJ Brown was a second round guy. Pick 51. DK Metcalf was a second round guy. Pick 64. Cortland Sutton was a second round guy. Pick 40. Christian Kirk was a second round guy. Pick 47. You find good receivers in this spot. This is kind of normal. And I can remember when I was banging the drum, they have to take a receiver at 13. I heard from a lot of people who were like, you get a receiver just as good in the second or third round. So now they're in the second round. So now I'm listening. Before I was like, ah, cram it. They're taking a receiver at 13. But like, this makes sense. It's like, oh, can you get a starting receiver? at 44 heck yeah you can so and and maybe there's you know and again he has the injury but then also sometimes the draft just pushes you down 
because there's other guys at your position ahead of you. There's a run on other positions. And I don't know that there has to be really be anything wrong with George Pickens for him to get pretty close to being there at 44. And I mean, we've spent so many months, I think, talking about how deep this receiver class is and George Pickens and, and Jamison Williams for me are kind of in a similar position in a lot of ways that these are guys who, because of their injury history, and I don't want to relitigate Jamison Williams' whole whole career and whether we think he would have gone before Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, but they, they are two guys who I think in theory, had they been healthy, could have gone higher. And obviously George Pickens came back. Jameson Williams got hurt at the end of the year. No real word on when he's going to be fully 100% ready to go after that ACL injury. But I do think they're both kind of in unique situations where they could end up being steals for whoever ends up with them. Does anybody else have a, a draft crush? It doesn't have to be an early guy. It can be a late guy. It can be a kicker. It could be uh, I, I got a guy. Look, All right. Uh, it's Smoke Monday. Safety yes. from Auburn, because that name's an all-timer. That is a marketing department's like dream right there. His real name's Quindarius, which is equally awesome. But Smoke Monday, like you can get him in the sixth round. Like, he, I don't know, you have him on your radio show on Monday. And, like he have his own segment, Smoke Monday on Smoke Monday. Oh. You know, I'm well, telling you, I'm, he doesn't have to play a lot either. He's a sixth round pick. I'm all for burning picks just for great names. I yes. stand. I stand by the Scooby Wright pick. <laughs> that was a great one. There is also, uh, if you want a kicker, there's Cameron Dicker, the kicker from Texas. See, I mean, you can't get any better than that. <laughs> That's good. Um, I still like my guy, Calvin Austin the third from from Memphis. Still like a lot about him. But once the Browns signed Jakeem Grant, who is also five seven who has good speed and can do a few different things for you, including returning kicks at a very high level. I kind of came off the Calvin Austin scent, um, but I did so with, you know, regret and a little bit of sadness. I really like the guy. I mean, he, he's just a, he's a cool guy. I, I like what I see of him on tape. The only thing I don't really like about him is that size. Uh, but if he can overcome that, and I often, I always wonder why can't these just guys just wear like a little bit of a platform shoe? <laughs> like what, what's the problem? I mean, there's so much of a difference between five, seven and five. Eight. Can't you just wear a little like thing in your shoe? Anybody? I do it yeah. all the time. I was going to say, yeah, you're the, you're the perfect example. Yeah. Like you alter well, your height every day. Why haven't we caught on to this in the NFL? I just, I don't understand it. It's like a business right. opportunity for you. Right? Platform athletic shoes, Mary Kay. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so anyways, I still like him, but I, you know, they didn't, I don't believe as of last week, they had not brought him in for one of their top 30 visits, which gave me pause on, on the fact that, you know, that they might still be interested in him. Uh, but I still like him a lot. I will say, I, I, I know what you're saying, Mary Kay, with the grant signing. I also think sometimes like that, Maybe that means they are interested in him because oh, right. they want that type of player. Right. So they went and got one guy, but then let's draft somebody behind him. And then we can let Grant go and develop our own version of right. that so that they value that style of player. I do think is interesting. Yeah. That would be sort of the JOK Tony Fields yeah. type of thing where you kind of got another one of those guys yep. uh, so that you have two. 
Um, so in that case, yes. And there's just so much to like about them. When I was at the senior bowl, uh, someone mentioned to me that they, they almost see him as sort of a, a Tyreek Hill type of, of player, you know, a poor man's version of a Tyreek Hill. And that would be good enough for me. Yeah, I still kept him in my recent mock draft. And it was kind of like along those lines, what Doug was saying, where it's almost like, yes, you have Jakeem Grant, but because there is some kind of risk involved, if you're going to go the Calvin Austin, the third route, uh, that makes it almost less risky to me. But yeah, I don't know. When Mary Kay talks about this, it makes me rethink my whole strategy. (laughs) So my mock draft might look totally different next week. My final mock, we'll see. I will say I have, I have one other kind of crush for the Browns and um, I feel like I've gotten, I have blinders on because it, it's combined. I just have my receiver at 44 on my edge at 78 that I like that pairing and to flip it and to go edge then receiver. I don't like the pairing as much. So the guy I've been pairing and I'm think I'm going to do it for my final mock is Josh Pascal at defensive end out of Kentucky, which I know other people have had. He's a three-year starter. He's a two-year captain. He had skin cancer on his foot and he had that tumor removed. Uh, He is, I think, a great locker room guy. He plays the run really well. He played at a high level in the SEC. I think he was all SEC. I think he helped turn around the Kentucky program a little bit. And he's not super dynamic or explosive off the edge, but I think is a run-stopping edge and a dude you want there's a lot to like there. So I've fallen in love with Pickens and Pascal as my first two Browns picks, and I can't get away from it. And, but I think about them in tandem because I just think it's like value and fit at those two spots. I've also fallen in love with Josh Pascal. I will not, I, I do not see a world where he changes in my final mock draft. I had him in my first mock draft, kind of like Doug was saying. Uh, with Pickens a little bit, like I went away from him for maybe like one. And then I was like, what am I doing? And came back immediately because I really liked him when I first saw clips of him and everything and was reading about him. Then we talked to him at the combine. I liked him even more. I just really think it would be, he would have, I think a great opportunity to develop into something here. And I think he could fit in to this defense. I love the way he talked about game prep, especially at the combine. It reminded me a lot of JOK and we know how much the Browns value the mental side of things and knowing the playbook and having that kind of focus. So I, I just think he would be a great pick here. And I even said in my mock that I just did, like, he's the guy I've latched onto. And I don't think I'm going to go away from him in the next week. Mary Kay, we talked to Mike Runner. Um, to go, go back and find that in, in the Orange and Brown talk feed if you haven't heard it. And he was really high on Pascal. Uh, he, you know, I threw him out there at like a potential number 78 pick and he was like, Oh, I've got him. You know, he, he has him ranked very highly. He didn't necessarily say he would go that high, but he has him ranked pretty high among edge rushers. Yeah. Yeah. He was really high on him. And I think I put him in my first mock or my second mock. I've only, I only did two. And then I fell away from our <laughs> weekly mock. Sorry about that. After, uh, after the trade and I never kind of got back to it. Hey, Mary but... Kay, quit covering your beat and do your mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and life got in the way a little bit too there for a bit, but, um, but yeah, so I had him early on. I, I looked at a little bit of film. I, I, I liked the interview. I liked what I saw of him. And, um, and so, yeah, we should do, it's making me think we should do a, um, a mock draft where we all talk each other into who 
do we all think they should take it 44, 78, and, and so on down the line and come up with a orange and brown talk pod staff mock? Well, we should do, we should like run a simulator and then get to pick 44 and then have it be the war room. We can decide who's Andrew Barry, who's the decision maker. Mm-hmm. It's probably, probably Ashley. No, and then we I don't want that job. <laughs> well, we all, we all know it's Scott. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I get it's to be the Podesta. <laughs> you're just above just like offering suggestions off to the yeah. side uh future browns employee scott patsko but we like run the mock and then we have the war room discussions like all right who are we gonna take mm-hmm. and then we take the person on the simulator and then we run the simulator and run at the 78 and have the war room discussion and then our gm has to make the call let's do it we're trading back that's what we're doing hot <laughs> idea for next week <laughs> That sounds like, uh, yeah, that sounds like a Wednesday or Thursday for next week. I'd say do it now, but like, come on, we got, we got an inventory to fill here. On <laughs> yeah, let's do that next week for sure. There you go. We just let you all behind the scenes of uh, Orange and Brown Talk. That's actually probably the most planning we've done for this podcast. <laughs> My favorite version of podcasting is getting on a podcast and talking about what the future <laughs> podcast topics should be. That is podcasting at its finest. I'm in. We're doing it. Although right now, what we're going to do is we're each going to kind of say what we want the Browns to do at 44. So this will kind of give us an idea of where everyone's at um, and maybe at 78 as well. I mean, who wants to go first? I, I kind of know what I want them to do. I'm, I'll just say this. I am concerned about receiver. Like if you want one of these receivers, I'm genuinely concerned looking at the draft order, looking at the teams that have multiple picks kind of who needs to take a receiver. Like, I mean, just as an example, the Jets, right? The Jets have a lot of needs, but I feel like the Jets have to take a receiver. And they go on the clock three times before the Browns. The Giants, I feel like the Giants with multiple picks have to take a receiver. And they're in the same boat. Kansas City's got to take a receiver with one of those two first-round picks. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he might burn down Lambeau if they don't take a receiver finally for him, especially after they traded Devontae Adams. I feel like there's a lot of teams that the Texans, you can make a case with multiple picks before the Browns could probably take a receiver, especially if they, they're really doing this Davis Mills thing. I'm worried that, that a receiver is not going to get there to 44 that they like, you know, I mean, maybe I'm not saying like Calvin Austin wouldn't be there, but they might not match that value up. They might see Calvin Austin as more of a third rounder. I, I feel like if they want one of these, like, yes, this guy can come in and play right away and be an outside receiver for us, a George Pickens, they might need to move up. And so that, that's what I think they're, they're going to have to do with 44. They're going to have to move into probably the high thirties if they want to get their kind of quote unquote, their guy at receiver. So I'm going to say try if if Thursday night is done and George Pickens is on the board, I'm spending the whole night on the phone trying to figure out how to get into the high 30s. And I don't think it would cost like right it would cost you 44, it would maybe cost you your fifth round pick. I'm really bad at these draft value charts, but like I don't know. I, don't I think, think I think it cost a future. I think it cost a future. Yeah, I, I don't know do. if they have enough in this draft to do it, but yeah. I would do that. I would do my, I would do 44 and like a future third or fourth, whatever it would be. I, I would do that to move into the thirties and get, let's just say George Pickens. That that's the guy I'll, I'll advocate for here. And I do, you mentioned a lot of teams. I think the bears at 39 are dangerous too, because they don't have a first round pick and they lost Allen Robinson and they don't have any 
receivers for Justin Fields to throw to. So I think they're probably hoping they can maybe get a number one receiver at 39. So I think you might have to get ahead of them. So uh, I think that's well said. And then it's just, are you willing to pay the price? I just, I completely agree. I'd be willing to, to pay it to, to get up and, and get the guy you believe in at receiver. Is anybody staying at 44 and making the pick? Who, who do you have there? I am. Uh, and I hope I'm not, I'm not stealing Ashley's dude here. <laughs> uh, I had Logan Hall written down okay. because he, he showed up in multiple drafts uh, last year or last week. Um, I mean, it, defensive tackle is like the lowest impact on wins. Uh, but Andrew Barry has taken two of them, one each in the last few drafts, used a third rounder on one, used a fourth rounder on one. Maybe he's trying to hit on somebody here. Um, but Logan Hall is a little different because he's kind of a tweener in between edge and tackle. He's very tall. Um, they used to move him all over the line. Uh, and we know the Browns like versatility on the line. So that could be important. He stood out at the combine, very athletic. Um, it's a position where the Browns uh, need depth, as we've said. Um, he's one of PFF's top graded tackles over the last two seasons. Uh, and it's worth noting that in PFF's draft guide, their comparison, pro comparison for Logan Hall was Malik McDowell, which, you know, again, big, tall dude. Uh, you can you can see the comparison there. Mock simulators I've seen and, and used have him available at 44. They also have him as one of the, the top rated guys left on the board at 44. So if they took him there, um, it would make some, it would make sense to me. I like I like that McDowell. That was one of the first thoughts I had when I was like. He's he's lighter than Malik McDowell, but he's like six six, and and that that stood out to me when I kind of first started looking at him too. I was saying maybe I'm not as as big on getting a receiver here as some other people are. I mean, I've already said why can't TPJ be <laughs> the number two guy? So I'm I'm cool with waiting uh, on a receiver and, and taking Hall here. I would say I'm currently like in a combination of the two. Like I do really like George Pickens, and if they can get him, great. Like trade up, figure out a way to get that done. Um, but if not, I am okay with Hall at 44. I do stand by that. But I think if they do explore that, like I said, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because I do think as the roster stands right now, they need somebody else in that receiver room. Uh, and I think he he could be a guy who ends up being being a steal for them if they can make that happen. Yeah, I wanted to go receiver at number 44. I really did because I, I do think that that is – so vitally important. I really do think that you can get your defense accomplished and do the things that you want to do. I mean, if you have to get uh, more pass rush pressure from JOK, if you don't sign Jadavian, I mean, I think there are ways you can blitz, you can do different things uh, to get to the quarterback and disrupt the quarterback and support Miles Garrett. Um, so, you know, I really did want to take a receiver, but I ended up liking a receiver that he was too high to take at number 44 and he fits better at 78. So for right now, and again, this could change next week if I end up doing a mock. So right now I, I ended up going edge at 44 and receiver at 78, just because of the dude that I had picked uh, at receiver. So that left me with one Arnold Epa Katie. We'll I don't know the Katie. Yeah. He's, the guy, that, the, he's Katie. the guy that, that Mike Renner liked too. Uh, yes. And Mike Renner's discussion with us on the pod helped me crystallize this in my mind a little bit out of, out of Penn state. Doug knows him. Uh, 6'2, 250, 
productive year last year. Actually, he was productive two years in a row from a sack standpoint. Um, some nice tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks last year, you know, good size, good speed, and somebody that you could actually get there around number 44 without moving up and without, uh, you know, without maneuvering too much. I think he actually is a realistic possibility for them there. Played at Temple most of his career, transferred to Penn State for a year, was good against Ohio State last year. A lot of good edge rushers in the Big Ten last year, but he's he's definitely up there. I said, like, there, the way the draft falls a lot of time, there's not a ton of edge guys that I love at 44. He, I do like. I, th- I think he's a complete guy. Like, a guy like Nick Benito makes me a little nervous. Is more almost might be too much of, like, a pure pass rush guy. I don't know about him as an overall player. Um, but I think Ibikati's interesting at 44. I like that pick. I think the defensive tackle discussion though is like, if they're, if they're going to stay there and take a guy, that's where, you know, I would say it's Logan Hall, you know, pairing Winfrey is, is the type of defensive tackle they would take. I think if they're going to do that, I think those are the two names. And then, you know, Doug, you mentioned Benito as a guy too, that, that I know we've been, he's been mocked a lot to the Browns. Mm-hmm. He is kind of that speed rusher. A um, little bit of chase Winovich there too. Um in him. I think that that kind of speed rusher is kind of built the same. So I, I'd be curious about that. What do we think of David Ajabo? I was going to say he's, I mean, the injury thing obviously is a complication, right? I I've been on record as liking him. I think he has a super high ceiling given when he started playing football. Um, I did cover him, but when I covered him, he was not really a key player on that defense yet because they had Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. Um, he is interesting. And I think it's kind of an interesting conundrum right now, because I think it had all gone according to plan. He was on track to be like a mid first round guy in most of these mocks. Oh, I don't, the injury bothers me. Go ahead. I don't love him. I didn't love him before the injury. I have questions about how much of his production is based off having Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. He's really, he's a very good athlete. He can drop in coverage, that kind of thing. I'm just more interested Maybe it's just a clowny fixation, but I'm a little more interested in, a, in an edge who can play the run, which is why I like Pascal so much. And to to pair Miles Garrett with a guy who's kind of like a pure stand-up sort of speed pass rusher just does not interest me as much as a more well-rounded defensive end. So Jabo's a little bit of a flyer. It's one of those things I I think before he got hurt, like you'd have there were people putting a job out of the Browns at 13. And I hated that. So he is better talent than 44, right? If he's not hurt, he's not there at 44. So for value, I, I, I don't dislike the idea of him there, but you might not get a ton out of him this year. So it's not like you're punting the year with him totally, but Pickens tore his ACL last spring for Georgia. David Ajabo tore it like a Six weeks, weeks ago, ago yeah. from Michigan. So, like that conversation, oh, and, and is his, is an, his is an Achilles. It's too, Achilles, right? yeah. yeah. It's not at all the same conversation. So, like the style of player he is, I didn't love for the Browns anyway. It's a dice roll at forty-four. So, I just think there's guys that you can get there that are going to help them win this year. So, it, it wouldn't be my favorite pick, but I would understand the shot at upside. Uh, number 78, does anybody have, I, some of this depends, I guess, on what they would do at 44, right? Like my answer would change if they traded up to get George Pickens or if they took, or if Pickens fell to 44, or if they took an edge rusher at 44, my answer would, would obviously change at 78. So, so this is a tough one. There's a name I'm, I'm a little bit interested in. Um, 
And this is a guy that's kind of weird, kind of gadgety. This goes to the Jarvis Landry discussion, like a guy that could do Jarvis things, but is like super fast and super athletic. Would a Wandale Robinson intrigue anyone from Kentucky? Kind of a shifty, get the ball in his hands, let him work guy. Smaller, maybe not a big downfield threat. If that was the type of, this is sort of your Calvin Austin discussion, Mary Kay. If that was the type of receiver they came away with instead of that X receiver or whatever, that outside receiver. Um, I'm a little intrigued by him. Maybe he's a fourth rounder. I don't know. But, but does anybody have like a name at 78 that they really like? Well, the receiver that I did end up liking um, that was too high to take at number 44 is Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Yeah. There, there are things I like about him. He's, he's not the, the speediest, flashiest guy, but he's like good, solid receiver, good size, 6'3", 211, good production last year, 884 yards, 70 TDs in his 13 starts. Uh, he's a good go up and catch the contested pass kind of guy. Uh, I think he can be a starter in this offense, and I think he complements Amari Cooper well. And I think he's just got a lot of upside and I think he flies a little bit under the radar. Uh, but th- I think there's a lot to like about him. That's a good pick. He's a really good athlete was a number one receiver for a playoff team. I am nervous about when you said the word gadgety, Dan, they could, they took a gadgety receiver in the third round last year and Anthony Schwartz, who's super fast. And then like, what else? So I'm more interested in like a, in receivers, Wandale Robinson, huge recruit, kind of had a wandering Ohio state was in on him a little bit, kind of had a wandering career a little bit. He is a little bit like a poor man's Rondale Moore. Um, I will throw out a name. Pascal's the guy I have here at 78 that I love. I'll throw out a name because I do believe at times drafting from strength is a good idea. So it's like, do they need a player at this position? I don't think they need him, but if you're projecting two years down the road, you could see how it could fit. And I like the story and it's another Cincinnati guy and it's Kobe Bryant at corner who I think is right in this 70, 80 range. And you think, okay, well, right. They have three really good young corners, right? Well, in a world where maybe Troy Hills, not a long-termer here, and maybe you want one of those guys to develop into your nickel corner. And in a world where I don't know, is greedy is greedy Williams for sure. Going to be a Brown in two or three years. Like that's pile in another young corner who is a stud, who is a leader who was like a three-star recruit who went to Cincinnati and tore it up, who is friends with Denzel Ward, who is part of the Glenville pipeline. I don't want to only take him because he's a Cleveland guy, but I talked to Kobe. I actually just, I'm, I think I'm going to write about Kobe before the draft. I just talked to his dad the other day. I love this brother at Ohio state, Christian Bryant. He is, he's an, he says the Bryants are alpha males. He is a dude. And you want a guy like that in your locker room and on your team. Then, pile on the extra Cleveland stuff. He's a good young corner that I think you'd get value at 78. And then it's like, Oh, now the Browns have four good young corners. Awesome. Can you ever have too many corners? I I love, (laughs) I like the idea of that. I I was just going to say, obviously we know how much Andrew Barry loves and appreciates defensive backs and he himself was a defensive back. So I think that's certainly part of it, but Doug, I know you've been on this Kobe Bryant train ever since the combine. I I think I did like the best uh, defensive backs post for us. And we had to select like our maybe underrated guys. And you came up to me and you're like, make sure Kobe Bryant gets on that list. Like he, Mm -hmm. he has to be on that list. No one's talking about this guy and they need to be, and he's a local guy. So I, it's not the craziest idea in the world, Doug. I, 
I, I will say with, with the Wandale Robinson, Anthony Schwartz thing, I, to me, I look at it like with Anthony Schwartz, I'm still not sure. Is this guy just a sprinter playing football or is he a football player? Who's really fast. I feel like Wandale Robinson is a football, but like this guy is a, a football player. Um, but I also, you know, I don't know if he's going to develop into a guy that can get downfield and make plays down the field. We'll, we'll see. But I, I do feel like the, everybody's kind of looking for Debo Samuel. That's kind of the trend of this draft is like, let's make everybody into Debo Samuel. And eh, Debo Samuel of... doesn't even want to be Steve Samuel. <laughs> yeah, <I was> gonna <laughs> say. There's, there's a little bit of that. Like, well, there's some fun things you could do with if if you had Wandale Robinson on your roster. If you're just sitting around in the office as your as the offensive coordinator and just putting him on the whiteboard and moving him around, I, I feel like every team kind of falls in love with with that type of of player. But to your point, Wandale Robinson spent his first two years at Nebraska and they handed off to him a lot, True. and then he transferred. He was like, <laughs> "Get me out of here." Mm-hmm. Then you went to Kentucky and caught. 104 passes last year against seven rushes. He does not want to be Debo Samuel. He <laughs> wants to be Tyreek Hill. You know, every time I looked up at the, uh, at the senior bowl, Kobe Bryant was making a play. He had a really, really nice senior bowl and he really stood out there. And, and I think he really helped himself a lot. And you could do a lot worse than ending up with another really good cornerback uh, because obviously you have to play, uh, three and four cornerbacks quite a bit of the time these days. So to think that you can get away with just two really good ones, uh, you want three really good ones. You know, when, and whenever I see like, or hear like, Oh, this guy really stood out at the senior bowl. Like that matters. I, I'll know. I've, I've been to one senior bowl and I came away from that week thinking, man, every time I was watched, like really paying attention, you know, who made plays Tredavious white. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, Stravius White has become a really good corner. You know, the year Cooper Cup was there, I was not there. But everything you were hearing was like, man, Cooper Cup is just making plays all week long. And mm-hmm. look, who's a really great player? Cooper Cup. Now, you know, obviously these guys come in with, yes, they're already really good. They're already really considered good draft players. But when, when you kind of watch that week of practice or kind of, stay plugged into that week of practice and, and hear things like, Oh, this guy was really good all week in practice at the senior bowl. A lot of times that will translate. The one time I went to the senior bowl, I can remember I was watching Mike Singletary put this linebacker through drills who was like jumping off the field. And I was like, how is that guy? I don't know who it was Patrick Willis. And it was like, yeah, okay. No. It, I mean, I just to double down on it, he was, everybody knew who he was, but it's like, it does, it does matter. So what Mary Kay, what you say about Kobe Bryant there matters. All right. I think we, uh, we covered anything. Is there anything else? You mentioned kicker. Is there anything else we haven't touched on? That, wait, that wait, wait. I, I still, I, I got a guy at 78. Oh, you got a guy. Okay. Yeah, I got a guy. I actually have a guy. Wanda- well, I do like Wanda- the idea Wanda- of, uh, of cornerback because the Browns defense is just, it's so built around, you know, being excellent against the pass. And I do like the, the uh, plan B for Troy Hill in the future. Um, that sounds good, but I have Khalil Shakir, which is kind of along the same yeah. lines of what you've been talking about, Dan. And I, I think he, like, you need some, you need to address slot receiver, I think. Um, and even though the Browns use their tight ends a ton in there, I don't think Demetric Felton's the answer. Uh, Richard Higgins is not here anymore. Uh, he played a lot of snaps in the slot. Um, Anthony Schwartz, uh, who knows? Um, but Shakir is just like, just quick, explosive. He just 121 all-purpose yards 
the last two years playing at Boise State. They gave him the ball a lot in space, just let him work, wide receiver screens, underneath routes, jet sweeps, stuff like that. But he also, like, he his highlight film is like OBJ-style catches, one after the other. So he has puncture for that. Had a problem with drops. Left to deal with that. Um, he's not particularly big, but he's a third-round pick. And like you've been saying, Dan, these aren't finished products. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. The Ringer's draft guide said he has shades of Golden Tate, who had really good years in Detroit. But PFF's draft guide compared him to – and you guys are going to love this Richard Higgins. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I don't know why Higgins is, he's not a burner. Higgins wasn't a burner, right? It's more, I think more about route running and perhaps they see the comparison of him playing inside and outside, or maybe, you know, he has a really cool touchdown celebration. I don't know, but yes, if you're looking for the new Richard Higgins, apparently this is your guy. What a grift this whole podcast has been. Scott Patsko starts off by saying, I hate mock drafts. I don't even want to do it. Dan made me do it. And builds up over the course of an hour into the Browns drafting the next Rashard Higgins. The next Rashard Higgins. We have been conned by Scott Patsko. Playing the long game, man. <laughs> For those accusations that I made Scott do this, by the way, again, behind the curtain, Scott texted us yesterday and was like, hey, guys, I don't think I'll be able to do the, the Friday pod. I got some stuff going on. And my immediate was, response was, unrelated as i snickered uh, is there a chance that we could record this a day early because we got a whole bunch of stuff happening friday and so scott got roped into doing it uh, yeah. yeah i threw my phone against the wall so i need a new one <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna say give me a tight end i want another tight end apparently because i'm kevin stefanski so i just uh, put up a story that i've been working like did not writing for three weeks i put it up as we started the podcast about why the browns should keep firing at tight end until they draft a superstar so i am right there with you dan it's a deep tight end class they have a shot i think at 99 in the third round or 118 in the fourth round to grab a guy they like who has a chance to pop i don't think harrison bryant's gonna be a superstar maybe in will be maybe not but keep trying until you get one so I am Dan. I am. It's not the first priority to me, but I think this is a great draft to take a stab at tight end. Is there a guy that you like? Well, I like the the. Um, I don't know if he would be there in the fourth round. I keep feeling like this would be the Harrison Bryant. Like, let's take this guy in the fourth round. Um, I like the UCLA tight end, and you know, I should, Dulcich. I should, yes, yeah. I, I like Dulcich. Ruckert is yep. interesting. And he's another senior bowl guy too, who kind of yeah. Um, standing out there i just i think there's guys and I, doug i want to see what kind of names names you put in here um and i think they had dulcich in for a visit actually uh, yeah, early in did. the process so yeah i really like the idea of just adding a tight end somewhere and that's always a position like jelani woods that's another yep. name that I, that I was blanking i don't know that he gets to where the browns would want to take him um but he tested great at the combine jelani woods did he's six yeah, seven but this, this is always a position, and, and Doug, I think you've made this point on the pod before. This is always a position where you can find a guy, sort of like receiver. You can find a guy late third, early fourth round that's going to come in and, and be really good for you. And by the way, yeah, they love David Njoku, and they tagged him, and they want to get an extension done, but it's still it, – like, it's not done yet. And mm-hmm. well, let's say it doesn't get done by that deadline in July – are we a hundred percent sure David and joke is going to be here long? I don't know. I mean, I'd be shocked if he wasn't, but like, you know, until it happens with as weird as things have been with the over the last few years. And, and drafting a guy in the third round would do more to make sure it doesn't happen. 
Well, I mean, but we could act like, I mean, in joke view, we could act like he's a sure thing. He's not a sure thing. He's entering year six and we're still like, ah, I think this guy's going to pop. I'm I'm glad the Browns kept David and Joku, but yeah, the whole thing I wrote is Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Dalton Schultz, Darren Waller. You find these guys in the middle rounds. And can you imagine Kevin Stefanski with Travis Kelsey or George Kittle? A guy like that. Maybe it's Njoku, but maybe not. But keep firing until you get one. So I think it would be a worthy use of the fourth-round pick. The guy that I like is Charlie Kolar from Iowa State. He won the academic Heisman. He's 6'5". He was a high-volume tight end there. He tested better at the combine. He said, I'm going to test well at the combine. Then he did. Um, I think I... I think he, I could see him like work in the middle of the field and finding open areas and stuff. And so he's a guy that's on my radar, but I like the idea of taking a shot at tight end. And, and they, will guys... draft, they will draft, sorry, Mary Kay, they will draft a little older at this position. Harrison Bryant, I think was 22 when they drafted him. Um, so especially if you're going later and you know, that those middle rounds, they will draft a little bit older there than I could draft somebody who's like 25, but um, yeah, go ahead, Mary Kay. Just wondering, Doug, where did you guys place Ruckert when you did your Buckeye mock in the seventies and eighties. Let's see Ruckert. I had him at 79. Nathan had him at 81. Steven had him at 91. So that was the Browns. So if the Browns want Ruckert, we think they have to take him with the first third round pick at 78. He's probably going to be the third or fourth tight end off the board. Okay. And I think they have the, the luxury of, you know, using a, using one of these picks on the tight end, they don't have a million needs out there. So I think there's a luxury there where they could take somebody in the fourth round, even if it's not one of the top guys, I, they'll, they'll be in 12 personnel. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Bill O'Brien used a lot of 12 personnel with Deshaun Watson. I think he's comfortable with tight ends. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, they'll open up the offense, but I do think there'll still be plenty of opportunities to have two tight ends on the field. I think that's everything. Punter. Anybody have punter on their board? Nope. No. Okay. Just making sure. The fact that I asked that question is, is a sign enough that we've gone long. This is like when we, when we got to Greedy Williams in the extension draft. It was like, ah, I think we've gone long <laughs> enough on this. I think we're good. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll have plenty of draft coverage coming your way. And if you're not a football insider subscriber, you've got to get involved. Uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. And Look, we teased what one of our pods is going to look like uh, draft week already. So you've got to make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk feed. We're going to try and do a, a live sort of draft show on Thursday night. Obviously, the Browns don't have a pick as we're recording this, but uh, we're going to be live. Uh, what do we say, Doug, like around pick 10, something like that? We want to build up to the idea of what we sort of talked about here of who's going to be there at 13 yeah. if the Browns were picking here. So I think we'll start around pick 10 or 11. And I think the plan is we'll go through pick 20, which is where the Steelers are scheduled to draft right now. And, I, and especially if the Steelers are on either Malik Willis watch or Desmond Ritter watch or something like that. Draft crushes. Desmond Ritter also is one of my draft crushes. It's not going to be a Brown, but I'm really curious if Desmond Ritter winds up in the mix for the Steelers at 20. So I think we'll do like, yeah, the middle of that first round live. Yeah, so, so keep an eye out for that. And then, of course, uh, make sure you're subscribed because as soon as we get a chance, we're going to drop a pod. Uh, telling you who we think the Browns actually, now that the board will be set, 
who they should take at number 44. So uh, we'll have full coverage of the draft coming your way at cleveland.com all week long. And of course, during the draft as usual. So make sure you subscribe to everything. Make sure you check out cleveland.com slash Browns all week. For Scott, Ashley, Doug, and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. What a grift this whole podcast has been.